Hello and welcome to UX Like Us, the podcast for user experience designers, researchers, strategists, and robot nerf hurting sons of HAL 9000. <laughs> Let's see if I can nail that. I'm your user experience robot nerf hurting son of HAL 9000, Roman Burkott. Nice job. <laughs> Joining me as always is Larry King. Larry, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I live to stump your... Make it hard for you to say that. That's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> well done indeed. <laughs> well, uh, last episode, uh, we were talking about AI, and we mentioned briefly right at the top that uh, we were not robot designers, and you said that... Uh, you would design a robot that you'd think that would be kind of cool. We were going to talk more about it. Um, and then we kind of meandered a bit and forgot to revisit the subject. So I thought designing robots would be worthy of an episode all its own. I love it. I love it. Um, and I think we should start with talking about our favorite robots. Cause there's been lots of robots in history in history and pop culture and TV shows and movies. And there's a lot of, I, I feel like there's a lot of material to work with here, you know, for inspiration. Mm -hmm. When you go to design your robots, we've got a lot of back catalog to work with. So, you know, who are some of your favorite robots, Roman? Uh, well, let's see, uh, you know, most of the robots that uh, I think most folks would be familiar with are the, um, the sci-fi robots, right. From movies, star Wars, That's and so on. Um, as far as like actual robots, I don't know that I'm familiar with one that I particularly liked. Uh, there was, um, oh, I take it back. Um, there's a little tiny robot that came out about three holiday seasons ago. Um, I want to say his name was, uh, Cosmo. He had a little, uh, animated, uh, LCD face that was heavily inspired by Wally. Right. So okay. he uh he reminded me of the character uh Mo on Wally. Uh and he, you know, didn't do very much of anything, but he was loaded with personality. So like if you just kind of uh were playing with him and then stopped playing with him, then you know, he'd go through various phases of impatience and you know, trying to figure out if you're still there. Um you could play little games with him. He had these blocks that he could stack up and, you know, you could move him around and he'd find them and, you know, you could mess with him and you know put stuff in his way and, but he would react to it. So really well-designed robot, uh, tons of emotion um, and, and just a, a, a real cute little robot. And I, I think it was maybe like 150 bucks. I was going to go immediately to the science fiction robot because, mm -hmm. you know, if we look back to science fiction and all the things that the Star Treks and the, the, um, um, uh, uh, space Odyssey 2000 movies, you know, with the iPads and, and that Star Trek with the communicators and all that stuff. That's, that's the kind of robot, that's the kind of science fiction I, I want to draw from because if I'm going to design a robot, I don't want to like, you know, mess around with the things that, can be done now. I want to think about the things that can be done in the future. Right. So, you know, um, so I made a list of all the robots. I like did a streamist consciousness thing with uh, robots. And then I started to like apply a taxonomy to it because, you know, UX designer, 
<laughs> you know, I started getting into like, well, there's famous robots and then there's like the good robots versus the evil robots. And then there's like the useful robots versus just the, the goofy robots, the human robots versus the, you know, robots that are just very utilitarian. Um, anyway, so, you know, obviously there's the, you know, the, there's the big ones, you know, the, mm-hmm. the R2D2s mm-hmm. and the C3POs, which to this day, my wife does not know the difference between. Um, <laughs> although I quizzed her on earlier today because I told her I was going to, you know, mention that in this episode and she actually <laughs> was able for the, fr- I think the first time ever to, to distinguish the two. Um, uh, I was, uh, you know, um, Kit from the <gasps> TV show from the eighties, uh, Knight Rider. Well done. Um, very good robot car. That was uh, very influential on my, my, my ute. Um, you know, you Did mentioned you Wally earlier. Ute? My youth, in my youth, I like to. <laughs> my cousin Vinny was also a very influential <laughs> in, in, in my growing up. Um, uh, Wally, like you mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. Wally and Eva, you know the 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 love interest robots. There, um, I always like to go back to the Disney robots. Um, we we talked about the Carousel of Progress on an earlier episode, um, and that features heavily the Disney robots that they made up in the fifties where they had all these actuators and stuff and hooked them up to real humans that recorded their movements. And then they made the robots do the movements. And so those Disney robots, um, you know, uh, one of the, you know, first ones to get into that uncanny Valley of <laughs> robot Um, Johnny five from short circuit. Remember him? He's looking uh. off for the input 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 and he was like he was trying to be the funny guy johnny five um, was alive yeah 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 johnny five was alive exactly if ever there um, was a movie that's ready for a reboot it's short circuit it's short circuit why the hell hasn't somebody done that yet that is brilliant <laughs> um i've got a long list here <laughs> all right um, well and then what i what i avoided for this discussion was uh trying to get too technical with definitions um but I am curious from just your own perspective, what qualifies as a robot versus not a robot? Robot or not. I think that's actually a podcast by, um, <laughs> I have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure it's robot or not. Um, uh, anyway, uh, what, well, to me, a robot is something in the physical world. Now I know there's this thing called robotic uh, process automation stuff that, is things that scrape screens and does things and, and automatically and stuff. In my mind, that's not a robot. Now, I, th- I think a robot has to be something that is somewhat intelligent, or some mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. some sort of artificial intelligence, and can move and do things in physical space. That's sort of my definition of a robot. Um, how about yourself? Do you... Well, and the only reason I was asking was because you mentioned like the, the animatronics at uh, Disneyland or they have some at uh, Knott's Berry Farm here locally. And um, they, you know, they have a recorded soundtrack that doesn't even come from the machine itself. Uh, and as you're going through the ride, the various animatronic, you know, uh, coal miners or, you know, we're lighting the dynamite. Look out, how? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, those don't necessarily strike me as robots. Whereas probably if you had asked me as a kid in the eighties, I'd be like, ah, the robots everywhere. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. that's probably where, um, the, the term animatronic is more appropriate for them. Right. Because they're really just animated, animated 
physical things with that, you know, soundtrack and they're, you know, they can do, they basically, they're a one trick pony. They, they, they play a loop, right. And that's it, right. They can't mm-hmm, do anything mm-hmm. else. Whereas like, if I, when I think of robots, there's, they have a, you know, they have that intelligence aspect to them so they can actually do, they can like, you know, make decisions or some sort of logic going on with them and then they can change their behavior based upon input. Right. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so did we land on what's your favorite? My favorite robot? Well, I mean, I've got favorite robots in different genres, right? You know, if, you know, you go to the campy 80s TV show, I mean, Kit is, you know, the the, the takeaway for me. If you're talking about, you know, the ultimate evil robots in pop culture, I would say, you know, obviously, you know, HAL 9000, was he evil or was he just misunderstood? <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it, it, you know, it's a fine line. He was, he, he certainly wasn't, following Asimov's laws of robots, which is something that I wanted to get into because, you know, we talk about designing robots. There actually is already a set of design principles for designing robots. And it was, they were defined back in like 1939 or 1942 or something by Isaac Asimov. Was it really that far back? Yes. So they were introduced in, in his short story in 1942, uh, a short story called Runaround. Um, which was a short story that was a part of the iRobot uh, series of short stories. Um, and it was the the three laws of robotics were part of the handbook of robotics, the 56th edition from 2058 AD. So, you know, we're only 30 years away from um, where that would have been. That must be why all the robot designers are ignoring the rules of robotics so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if you have I mean, the... Uh, I mean, look at uh, Boston Dynamics. I think is probably the <laughs> the most likely to violate the uh, the three laws of robotics. <laughs> Knowing actually the fourth, there's because there's actually four, right? Because he added another law. Are you familiar with the, the 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 three the four laws of robotics? Well, I'm gonna have my nerd cred revoked. Uh, I can't recite them. I am familiar with them. Well, I, I had no idea they went that far back, though. The 30s. Yes. Gosh. Yes. 19, 1942. 42. Sorry. So let's 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 go over them because I think it's important if we're gonna have a discussion about designing robots that we should go back to the original design principles of designing robots and and start at that base, right? So the first law of robotics was a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. So that already like sort of speaks to the fact that a robot needs to be able to do something in physical space and make decisions of some sort, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. a robot would have, should have, would be able to make a decision of whether to act to eliminate harm from a human or to make sure that they, you know, their, their inaction does not, um, make a human come to harm. Yeah, good point. It, it infers uh, independent decision-making already. So yep. probably didn't even have robots to speak of at the time. He's already doing the hard work of figuring out what a robot should or shouldn't be allowed to do. Right. So and then the second law gets right into the slavery part of robots because the second law says a robot must <laughs> obey orders given by a human except where such orders would conflict with the first law. So... You can give the the robots have to do what the humans say. You know, we got some ethics violations there, possibly, but mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't. They 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 except where it would that would may um make a human uh be injured, right? So that's that's law number two. 
Law number three, a robot must protect its own existence. So now the robot is getting into self-realization. So they must be able to protect their own existence as long as that protection does not conflict with the first or second law. So that's the third law. And so those are the laws that went on for a little while. And then at some point in um, uh, uh, Osmel's writing, he realized, oh, crap, there's <laughs> there's a loophole in all of this. So we got to make what he called the zeroth law, the which zero is the law that becomes law. before the first law. And that is a robot may not harm humanity or by inaction allow humanity to come to harm. Oh, I see. I see. So elevating it uh, a level to say like the the needs of humanity outweigh the needs of the individual human. Yeah, you, you, you kind of got it all Spock right there. You know, the <laughs> needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the needs of the one. Um, yeah, we're getting really nerdy here now. But yes, so those are the original design principles for robots. All right. Well, let's uh, let's pause there to say, do you agree with the principles? I think they're solid. I think they're pretty solid for coming from 1942. And we didn't really have that many robots back then. Well, there's definitely that the ability to like think through not just, you know, the invention of robots, but the pro- proliferation of robots to just be everywhere in society doing stuff, uh, you know, thinking largely for themselves. And then, you know, what kind of laws would govern them? I almost had the sense because um, I was familiar with Isomov's laws of, you know, robots, uh, but not uh, not aware of, you know, how how far back. Um, you know, when that was written, uh, I didn't realize, you know, how much foresight he had there. Yeah. So I, I mean, are there any regulations going on in that area? I mean, we haven't regulated the Asimov's uh, laws of robotics. So I think um, it's, it's, it's when the artificial intelligence crosses over with those robotic tendencies where I get, you know, that gets me a little, Makes me a little nervous if you, if you, mm-hmm, say, mm-hmm. you know, it's like if we don't um, take these design principles, if you may, um, into consideration, then, you know, we've got basically the, you know, the uh, uh, metalhead episode of Black Mirror where you've got those Boston dynamic dogs just hunting people down for sport. Um, now you're citing a work of fiction, but I'm pretty sure that that's actually happening. I think they turn those Boston robotics dogs loose in, in the woods and in factories and in office buildings and just allow them to, to hunt down humans for sport. (laughs) Not yet. Okay. As a quick aside, uh, if your podcast player, um, has, uh, should, should be showing you the, uh, image for this chapter in the podcast we'll put a an image of one of these boston dynamics robots if it's not immediately coming to mind but if you're on the internet at all is extremely likely you've seen one of these they're they're four-legged they they're roughly dog shaped ish and every time i see one of these videos it's more appallingly aggressive looking with its ability to like open doorknobs and climb stairs. Uh, I think probably the most famous video was uh, in the test lab when they're just like kicking it over and it stands back up and they're hitting it with like a hockey stick and it just gets back up, just keeps on working, just takes the abuse. I'm like, oh dear. (laughs) 
And and the funniest thing comes out is the memes that come out. Like they have that one where the dog is like trying to open the door and the 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 two people that are in the lab are like trying to stop it from doing it. But then <laughs> the meme is like there's a voiceover of the dog, you know, saying, Carl, let me no stop. Stop pulling my tail. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm just trying to get open this door. Okay. Open the grab the handle, open the door. Carlton, don't <laughs> if you can <laughs> It is the most hilarious video. We get we find that find the link to that and put that in the show notes because it is it 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 makes me just die laughing every time I see it. Yeah, if it wasn't for the comic relief, uh, I'd be nothing but, but <laughs> horrified. You know, the interesting thing about Isimov's laws, though, is that in retrospect, it it almost seems like those laws are written more for humans than they are for the robots themselves. Um, a similar theme, that, you know, from our, our AI discussion, you know, the, the issue is that some jackass eventually is going to try to make AI that is self-aware. They're going to try to make AI that works contrary to human interests. Some jackass is going to build robots that actively <laughs> uh, work against humans uh, and not strictly in a military context. I mean, military robots is already bad enough. Um, they're going to make robots that think that they are real and self-actualized simply because that's that's the big challenge, right? So, hey, how cool would it be to make a robot that thinks it's alive? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that's all going to happen. So what do we do about it? How do we make that not happen? I like this conversation more when we were talking about C-3PO and our duty too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know you don't want to get this to s- steer back into the Mike Montero design ethics and unions and stuff like that. But I mean, there is a discussion to be had about people making these decisions about these things that have real consequences in the future. If you don't make, you know, ethical design decisions about the things that we're designing. Right. And, you know, having a, not, not that I'm saying that, you know, having, just, we have like, Oh, we're going to have some design guild that has, you know, ethics isn't going to stop, you know, a, a robotics firm with a bunch of engineers to make things that, you know, do crazy shit that kills people. Um, so, <laughs> It's a, uh, it's, you know, science fiction is, um, can be scary, but you know, science mm-hmm. fact can, you know, be bad too. Wow. This is really <laughs> taking a dark turn. I don't, I want to robots ban them. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Thanks everybody. Good night. The core of the discussion was uh, around you saying that you would like to design a robot. And my in- immediate reaction was that I would not like to design a robot. So I thought that would be an interesting area to explore. What is it about designing a robot that uh, strikes you as an interesting project? Well, I think it's an interesting project because I like to just design new things. It kind of gets boring designing web applications all the time and Mm -hmm. being able to apply design skills and processes to things that aren't web applications are that's that automatically just piques my interest because you know i don't get to do that very often right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um so yeah that that's why why wouldn't you why would you not want to design a robot 
Um, well, I, you know, I would enjoy it from the same perspective as what you're talking about, like doing something new and, you know, diving into a new field of design. Um, even just kind of the, the research for this episode was really interesting and entertaining. Um, I think what struck me as being like, oh man, that sounds like a really, uh, I guess not a miserable project, but just super challenging, right? Um, is having some notion of how complicated it is when you start trying to imbue any kind of a personality into a robot. So if it was design a, you know, an automobile factory robot, you know, or a Boston Dynamics robot that's, you know, just designed to go out and kill people and, you know, call it a day. Yeah. Okay. That'd be interesting. But you know, if you had to then figure out what personality should this Boston Dynamics murder machine have, well, that's a little bit more nuanced. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, we have lots of pop culture um, to, to draw from. <laughs> lots of really good bad guy characters from movies and TV shows and <laughs> books and stuff from the past. To really, I, I don't think we'd have any problem to figure out what kind of <laughs> personality learned Boston Dynamics robot should have. <laughs> Maybe the Joker, if you're going for something lighter. Right, right. Well, it's kind of give you a nice, like, you know, have a nice day. <laughs> but no, like we were talking about the, the Yankee Cosmo robot. What was, you know, delightful about him was that uh, he, he certainly wasn't terribly functional. He didn't do a whole lot. Um, it wasn't super capable in terms of, you know, he's got, you know, treaded, uh, you know, tire treads on, on wheels. Um, but any little thing he ran into, he would get stuck. Um, but yeah, I just had the cutest little face and he'd smile and, uh, he didn't have words. He just kind of make little grunts and noises that kind of expressed these, um, these pseudo emotions. Um, but something like that, you know, um, because it wasn't, super uh realistic in terms of you know like a a, a human uh expression uh it was cute and charming but also very disarming because there was nothing there that you know and implied that it could do more than just be a toy right so it begs the question should robots even have quirky personalities with you know these you know anthropomorphic uh characteristics um Sounds to me like that's like trying to be, you know, it's it's analogous to the anthropomorphic design that you that that was pervasive like in the late two thousands, early you know early twenty tens. Um, but do we really need that? It's like, do you want your robot vacuum to like be all quirky? It's like, oh, sorry, I ran into. You. No, you just want it to not fucking run into you. Just sweep the damn floor, right, and, and not bother you, and and don't do it at a time that's inconvenient to you, and. I don't want to really kind of notice it. I just want it to happen when I'm not there. Right. Um, so it's, or when you ask, I mean, and this isn't robots, but like, you know, these intelligent assistants where, you know, you ask something and they're like, Oh, they say something cute when they can't, you know, they can't complete your task. That's just infuriating. You don't want that. So let's, I think when you're designing these things, you should go back to first principles of like, you know, start with the problem. It's not start. Don't start with like, what can we, what would be fun or what would be blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, start with the actual problem you're trying to solve. Right. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just in, to my mind, it's the same design process you do with anything. It's like, start with the problem. Don't start with the technology, understand what, you know, the human element, the human touch points and, 
and the, you know, and how they're interacting with whatever the robot is or the product or the service, or whatever. Um, and then, you know, you know, start, you start there. Right. And like, I, I just can't see how some of these, you know, quirky, cute things that get out into, you know, mainstream products like Alexa and Siri get out there and aren't, you know, get past the design step of like, Oh wow. That's just really annoying when you screwed it up and I, you know, you just didn't do what I wanted you to do and you try to be cute about it. So, well, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that, uh, the longer I live with them, the more my, um, the more dissatisfied I become with, um, Alexa or Siri. So, when they were first introduced, they were very limited and even the voices were just not that good. And so when I could, you know, get the weather, you know, with my voice like that, oh man, this is great. This is amazing, you know, but I didn't really have much expectation. I noticed, um, gosh, I don't remember when it was, but a couple of years back when they did a, a major overhaul of series voice where... Um, all of it was synthesized, but it was just brilliantly done. And her voice is really good now. Um, the better her voice is, the less satisfied I am, because all I ever get out of her is, oh, I don't know that one. <laughs> you know, Sorry, can't help you right now. I'm having trouble understanding. Uh, it, it, it's those kind of, uh, it's that um, high level of fidelity in the voice with very low levels of capability in comparison that seem to just drive me bananas. Yeah. That sounds to me like somebody was focusing on the technology and not on the problem. You know, I, I tend to be uh, pretty critical of the, you know, the Alexa team, the Siri team, you know, why can't they just do this simple, basic thing? Um, but I, I know they're not just sitting around in their lab doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like the Alexa team gets it right more often because I've Agreed. got both. I've got I've got I've got two HomePods in my house and I've got multiple Alexas in my house, right? So I've I've used both of those platforms pretty heavily, and I feel like Alexa gets more gets it right more of the time than than Siri ever does, right? So to bring that back to the realm of robotics, if you're designing a robot. I, I guess, you know, one of the biggest decisions to make is what's the interface? Like, do you try to go voice driven? Do you, you know, force the user to operate the robot via a phone? Like my, my stupid vacuum robot. His name is Jimmy, by the way, Jimmy. <laughs> um, well, I think, uh, depending on the context and depending on the jobs to be done that that robot fulfills. Um, like for instance, in the case of a robotic vacuum, is it just a little tangent here? <laughs> like, is it weird that like the, the vacuum is like pretty much the only like commercial robot that isn't exists in people's households these days? Like, does there, can you think of any other like robot other than those toy robots that we talked about that, that are, you know, something that people use? I mean, you, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think uh, uh, automatic uh, shades <laughs> count as <laughs> count as robots unless they have sensors that say, "Oh, it's light, it's it's sunny out." I'm gonna take put the shades down. 
No, it, 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 it's a good observation. I got my, uh, I got my Roomba. Well, I got my first Roomba probably, what was that? 2006, 2007, somewhere back there. Um, and it was, you know, pretty brilliant. All things told, it's a stupid, you know, vacuum that just drives around randomly. Doesn't no, even Roman. It's a smart vacuum. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes. It's a smart robotic <laughs> assistant vacuum <laughs> home cleaning <laughs> device. Uh, no, you know, I mean, the first one, it didn't even try to be smart. It just ran around in, you know, random order. And the smartest thing about it was that when the battery was low, it would look for the, you know, infrared beacon on its charger and and try to make its way home. Um, now, uh, you know, that, that one was old and broken. Uh, and I ended up getting a new vacuum robot. This time it was... Um, I forget the brand, but it's a, it's a knockoff. It's not a real, uh, you know, uh, not the Roomba, right. It's not an iRobot mm-hmm. Roomba, but it's practically identical. All the features are the same. It would almost appear that they've open sourced the plans on those things to Is where. the Oofy? The Oofy? Yeah. Yeah. Spell Oofy? Oofy? Yeah. Something like that. Oofy? Oofy? I have no idea how to say that. Yeah. So, you know, I got one of those and it works uh, better than my original Roomba. Um, probably not as great as a current generation Roomba, um, but, you know, it's good enough. But you're right. It's it's really the only thing I have in my house that could be considered a a robot, really at all. Yep. I and you, you've been through two generations of ro- uh, robot vacuums and I haven't had one. Um, do they, do they work? I mean, do they keep your floors clean with like kids and like put you like, like in my house, there's like stuff on the floor that just cannot be vacuumed up. Right. It's just like, it's like, you know, whole Cheetos and just, uh, things that are just like, yeah, yeah. I I don't feel like a, a robot vacuum would actually work in my situation, but I could be wrong. I don't know. You know, the best analogy I, I've heard was, uh, I think it was a, a review on Amazon <laughs> that likened it to um, picking the ticks off your favorite bloodhound that essentially this robot gives you a whole new uh, bit of work you have to do maintaining the robot, but at least you don't have to vacuum. <laughs> All right. So it's just moving the job from one thing, one kind of job to a different kind of job. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, for the the robot vacuuming itself does a fine job. But to your point, yeah, if there's a, you know, an iPhone charging cord hanging down too low, it gets tangled up in that. You know, it's, it's so it, it's far from being a, you know, set it and forget it kind of device. It's seemingly the first successful, like, robot appliance in the house. I can't think of another one that has been as successful. I mean, you, every, there's lots of people have robot vacuums. It's a, it's a thing. Um, but there's no real other robots that have been, that, that have caught on like that. Now, maybe this new ring door or this ring, um, um, drone home video camera might be that next one. Oh yeah. Um, a robot, a drone that has a camera that flies around your house. Um, probably doesn't make sense when you're home, but if you're not home, might make sense if there's, you know, some thing that 
happens where you want to fly around your house to see what's going on. I don't know. Seems interesting. Yeah, that's the thing is like, even when I think about the applications and and the household of, uh, you know, like consumerizing the military technology, if, if I could have a, you know, a home protection bot that was, you know, capable of, let's say it's non-lethal, it's capable of tasing an intruder, you know, would I feel comfortable letting that, you know, roam the the hallways of my home at night <laughs> looking for an intruder? Looking for something to tase. <laughs> <laughs> Better stand back, buddy. you tase you. You do not want to get up for a glass of water at night in my house. <laughs> no, I think that's why people get like German shepherds, right? Because then <laughs> right. you don't need a robot. You just have a uh, you know, real life flesh and blood animal protecting your house for you. Well, as far as the interfaces go, you know, the the Eufy vacuum bot, the, the the Roomba, both of those devices, you know, rely heavily on the smartphone as kind of the the enabling uh, technology uh, kind of removes the need to to interact with it directly. I mean, now you can usually control them with your with your smart speaker as well. So you can tell Alexa to turn on the vacuum or, or what have you. But there's certainly not much in the way of, you know, like what, you know, an eighties robot where you've got, you know, something you just, you talk to it and it does stuff. That's certainly not it a Jensen's you a, robot. It brings you a tray of tab. <laughs> right. In the future, your robot will serve you tab. Yeah. I mean, obviously some sort of interface is, is warranted, but it, it you, in 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 the case of a robot vacuum, I I just want that thing to be autonomous. It should just know when to vacuum and when not to vacuum, and when the floor is dirty and when the floor isn't dirty, and when I'm around and when I'm not around. It, it should just know that stuff, right? Like like even my phone, like iOS 14 with the widgets and things like that, have been pretty interesting because I feel like the machine learning on the phone is getting a lot better, and it like I have this home page on my phone now that's not the you know the old widgets page but like the new home page where you can put widgets on the actual springboard screen mm-hmm. and i've got these you know i've got the the default widget that just like has things that are interesting to you right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like i've got like the top you know probably eight apps that i use i've got this other widget that like you know in the morning, it shows me the weather and in, in other parts of the day, it'll just show me pictures of like, oh, I remember that picture. And then I'll look at it and like, oh, I never hearted that one. And then I'll heart <laughs> it. And then it gets me into like, you know, editing it and make it look nice. And, and like, I've, they, they're, they're, they've done a really good job of like this in our artificial intelligence or this, you know, machine learning stuff that like, serves up things that are just like interesting for me and, and useful for me. And, um, another thing they did was like, like when you swipe down in, in control center, it's like, it's got all the lights that I turn on and off manually, you know, Oh, right. Normally right, right, right there. And so now I just like, Oh no, no, they're right there. I don't have to go into the app to do it. Cause it knows that I want to turn those lights on in the morning and off in the night. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Right. That's the thing is that a lot of what we're experiencing as, you know, kind of the, I guess the state of the art is really good automation. 
So like the iPhone demo where they're, or actually they were demoing the new uh, mini uh, HomePod. And if you, if you ask the HomePod, you know, how late is Target open? Then when you jump in the car on your uh, CarPlay, it's already got the map to Target laid out for you. So it's, it's really good automation and, you know, kind of anticipating what's the next logical step. Um, I don't think we see that in, in robotics at all. So like my, you know, my vacuum doesn't say, you know what? I see a mess on the floor. What I really want is for the robot to notice and go get it. Now that would be, you know, autonomous um, and not just automation of me having to tell it, okay, every day at 2 p.m. I want you to go out and vacuum the living room. Um, it is pretty much worlds apart uh, as, as far as as far as that goes. What I really want to know, though, is if you're designing a robot, do you put a face on it? No. <laughs> Just, no. No. Discussion closed. No. <laughs> yeah, I, agreed. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. I mean, potentially that's part of what I think makes those, um, well, robots with faces tend to be the creepy ones. So it came up in the previous episode where we we're talking about the, what is it? The hall of progress. The carousel of progress. Carousel yes. of progress. Good. Good that it's circular as a carousel of progress. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't tell you that in addition to Asimov's uh, four laws of robotics or his quote unquote design principles, I had like a few of my own and oh. they were, don't be creepy. Don't try to be cute and stay the fuck out of my way. <laughs> you laid the foundation for another thousand years of robotics uh, research and development yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's you know we can just slot that in at law four law five and law six um and i think we've got a good set of you know f- good foundation for robot design right there between asma's laws and larry's laws all right well, let's dig into them then. <laughs> so, was it was, I guess, law don't five. be creepy. Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. So, is that I mean, why you say no face? That's the creepy yep, that's thing. That's part of it. Yep, part of it. Yeah, don't, no face is that uncanny valley crap, right? Where it's like, it's not. Re, it's not. It, 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 it's it's trying to be human. I know it's not human, and that uncanny valley makes it just creepy. So, don't do that. Right. Um. You know, second one, don't be. Don't try to be cute. That's the whole, you know, Siri going, ha, ha, ha. I can't do what you want. Blah, blah, blah. I'm saying something cute. Um, and it just pisses you off. So don't do that. You know, trying to be cute is it takes a human to understand when being cute is going to get the right reaction versus the wrong reaction. Right. And even as a human, that's a tricky business. So we can't leave that to the robots because they're going to screw it up. I'm telling you right now. So, uh, we, we, I, we've got a good 50 years before, uh, I think the robots are going to be able to be able to be cute at the right times as opposed to the wrong times. Um, and then stay out of my way. <laughs> well, so those first two that, uh, don't be creepy and don't be cute almost strike me as a, a continuum of the same thing, right? It's, it's like, sure. You know, trying to express these like nuanced human, I guess, reactions or interactions 
in a way that uh, robots just don't seem like they're anywhere near having the context to be able to pull off. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, I think, I think it's That's going to take the singularity to, to get past that one because uh, they, we, we were they're, they're just not smart enough. We have not caught up to the, to the movies on that one. Um, uh, you know, good one being, uh, I'd say AI that, um, that, uh, Steven Spielberg movie. It was originally supposed to be a Steven, uh, a Stanley Kubrick movie, but Kubrick died before he could finish it. And, um, Stan, uh, Steven King, or Steven Spielberg took up the, 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 the script and, and finished it. And they have this, like the little AI boy and there's a bunch of, other Oh yeah. That robot, robot was creepy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, a lot of those robots were, I mean, it's obviously because they were actors, um, <laughs> actors trying to act like robots. So we kind of got the, you got, you got actors trying to act like robots and robots trying to act like humans. And so you, you'd say, you know, you're obviously the, the robot, the actors acting like robots are going to be less creepy and cutesy than the, the, the opposite. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's like I, I think you know the don't be creepy and don't be cute are kind of related, except if you take the don't be creepy into like, don't be um, you know, looking at what I'm doing and then telling other people about it. That's another side of the don't be creepy part. Oh right, so violating kind of yeah. human norms of acceptable behavior. Yeah, 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 yep. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, you you mentioned the uncanny valley uh, and. I, think maybe we'll just unpack that a little bit in case anybody is not familiar with it. Um, I'm looking for the date. I don't see it, but I do see, thanks to my friends at Wikipedia, uh, more than 40 years ago, Masahiro Mori, he's a robotics professor at the Tokyo Institute of Technology. And he wrote an essay that was talking about how um, essentially if the representation um of the personality, uh, or, you know, basically if the, if a robot, uh, is more abstract away from human features that it's acceptable, but then like the closer it gets to being realistic, the more unpleasant it becomes for humans. Um, so if you think about, uh, some of these various, you know, uh, demonstrations that are, you know, supposed to be these, uh, really remarkable robots, uh, you know, just pushing the field. For some reason, they always come off with like this deeply unsettling, <laughs> unnerving aspect to them. And so um, Masahiro Mori, he was basically theorizing that uh, there's something in our biology that would tip us off to, uh, you know, something that's supposed to be a human just being off somehow. Uh, since then, there's been a lot written about, you know, okay, well, the Uncanny Valley is wrong and you can totally do, you know, high fidelity human replicas in a way that's uh, charming and winsome. I would argue that, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an example. Yeah. So uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. There's a, there is a, a team of uh, researchers um, and there's uh their robot is made to uh, be kind of like uh, the animatronics uh, of Abe Lincoln. Theirs is uh, Philip K. Dick. And so basically this, this Dick bot. Um, <laughs> no, this, uh, this representation of Philip K. Dick is meant to really be high fidelity 
such that like the the skin is uh is hand painted uh you know super realistic and he's programmed to um you know speak according to Philip K Dick's actual uh thoughts and personality and ideas and all that and so they you know they argue that oh you can push the envelope on that and you can actually make something that uh that that is winsome and they point to as their inspiration the um uh, the Abraham Lincoln <laughs> animatronics <laughs> at, uh, at Disney um but like I say everything I've seen of it just still feels really unsettling and and just not quite right yeah I think that the uncanny valley is real and it's still real and it's going to be real for a long time like even like if you look in Pixar movies like in Pixar movies they actually try to you know they've had to dumb down their characters to look more cartoon like so that they don't have that creepy uncanny value and uncanny Valley, like, you know, look to them. Um, so that, you know, like, Oh, this is just a cartoon character. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. But like when they, you know, if you look at a, a movie like, um, the, what's that Tom Hanks movie, Christmas movie on a train. Um, oh yeah. The polar express, the polar express. It's like, they were trying in that movie. That's not a Pixar movie, but they were trying to like make those people look real realistic. And it's like, Nope, Nope, not there yet. Um, I would say that even, Oh, there was a movie that I watched recently. It was, Oh God, what was it? It was a very recent movie. It was about a dog in Alaska dog sledding. It was very, very recent. And like all of the dogs, oh, oh, were yeah, like, the remake of uh, uh, call of the wild. Call of the Wild, yes, and all of those dogs were 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 CG, mm-hmm. and the whole time, I'm like, no, it's not, it's not a real dog. Sorry, I don't. I, I the whole time, it's like that. They're close when it comes to like you know movie uh, movie uh, CG, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's not there yet. The, the the they're they're not quite there yet when it, when it, when it comes to it. And I I just like the whole time, I'm like, this is all CG. They're trying to make it look realistic, but it's not. Um, cause it still has that uncanny Valley. So I think it, we're not even getting there in, um, you know, when it comes to, uh, computer graphics, how, I mean, what's going to hit it first? Is it going to be like computer graphics experiences or is it going to be like real life, you know, robotic experiences that are going to be able to get past that uncanny Valley. And I don't think it's going to be the robotic experiences first. No, actually, uh, <laughs> A, a bit of follow up from the previous episode this is something I forgot to bring up, but um, uh, in the time since GPT three uh, was introduced and you know kind of stunned the world with its capabilities, uh, this week I, I saw an article where GPT three has been running amok on Reddit and uh, fooling a lot of people. But up to the point where it was talking about having like suicidal feelings and how, you know, if it wasn't for my parents, you know, I wouldn't be here today. And like reading this stuff is like, again, there's where we need the the loss of robotics for humans because some a-hole decided, oh, wouldn't this be cute to just, you know, let GPT-3 loose on Reddit and see if anybody notices and, you know, to their credit, a few people noticed, but a lot of people were like replying with genuine empathy for this person who is posting this really heavy stuff about, you know, these complicated feelings. And it's kind of perverse when you think about it, because, you know, 
the AI isn't experiencing these emotions. It's not like GPT-3 is sitting on its, you know, <laughs> up in the cloud somewhere feeling lonesome and depressed and contemplating its own, <laughs> you know, existence. It's just crapping out text that's, you know, basically designed to fool people into having their own emotional response. Really, really uh, uncool. Yeah, and that that actually reminds me back of a, a Black Mirror episode that I think talks really well about the, the progression of realism um, when it comes to those different, you know, multimodal interaction experiences. Um, it was about this this guy and this this woman. I'm trying to, I'm looking it up right now. Um, and they are, uh, give me a second. This will help me a lot. Uh, it's called Be Right Back. And it was based. It was Domino Gleason um, was was one of the, the the actors in it. And it's basically these the, this man, and this woman, and they're you know they're in love. And they get married. They live in this this house, and they fight a little bit, but it's it's okay. And then one night he goes away, and he gets in a car accident, and dies. And then there is this service that has like very much like a gtp3 has sucked up all his social media posts and every bit mm-hmm. of information about him and turns into him into a chatbot for the wife so the wife can now go to this chatbot and like talk to his her her husband her you know late husband like it's really him and it's like very very realistic because she knows he knows you know because the they have all this you know machine learning data about all the way he talks and the way they interact and things but eventually she orders a robotic doll of him oh. and it's just like him. And, and it is, you know, it talks like him and like, looks like him, feels like him, acts like him to a point, but not completely. And there's even in that case, there's this like little uncanny Valley that makes her just like, okay. And she, and, she ends up, you know, having his kid like posthumously. Um, and then he, you know, the kid's there and then the kid has a dad, but she like, she doesn't really ever interact with him anymore. So the robot but impregnated it, her? No, she, <laughs> she got pregnant before he died and then she had a kid and then she got the robot version of her, her, her bow. Anyway, so it's, you know, obviously in, in the spirit of dark mirror, it's very, you know, dystopian. Um, but it, really gets to that uncanny valley of we, I, you know, go, it has that progression from a chat bot to actually talking to somebody on the phone. That's what it was. It wasn't a video chat, but it was like, you were actually talking to her on the phone, like uh, actual talk, talk. And then of course, then he, she got the robot and you know, even, even in the super realistic robot and IA, you know, um, version of him, she still like ended up rejecting him because he was not the real person. Mm, I see. I see. All right, so don't be creepy, don't be cute, but then you have a really interesting final law, Larry's Laws of Robotics. Stay out of my way, right? Stay out of my <laughs> way. All right, well, expand on that. What what inspired that? Um, well, I mean, it's like, you know, the, if I think about the robotic vacuum that I've never had, if that thing got out when I was like trying to walk around mm-hmm. and do shit, then I would be totally angry. It's like, why are you doing this? I'm obviously walking around. Please do not vacuum. Um, goes back to, you know, just, you know, <laughs> anytime that Alexa has ever said, Hey, there's a new blah, blah, blah. You know, like, 
Yeah. It's yep. happened a few times where they like, you've obviously gotten an ad from Alexa and just, it just speaks up. It's not happened very often, but it's happened a couple of times and a couple of times is too many times. Yeah. In my book. Um, we actually got the original, you know, uh, Alexa view or Alexa show or whatever the one Alexa show with the, with the video screen. Oh, uh uh-huh. Um, and it it just basically showed these distracting things all the time. Like, Oh, news headlines and stuff like, it's like, I don't, I don't want to see new headlines. I don't want to just like see news headlines out of the, 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 you know, the, the corner of my eye and then get distracted by it. And then it's like, I have enough distractions in, in my world. I don't need some other thing distracting me. So it's like, don't do things I don't care about. Right. Um, just only do the things that I want you to do and don't do things when I'm doing other things that I, that are conflicting with the things that you're trying to do. So, you know, stay out of my way. Don't, you know, don't get in the way of my, my goals when I'm trying to achieve them, whatever they may be. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it's, uh, been on my mind in a different vein. I'm really concerned about the rise of autonomous vehicles because those sons of bitches are going to be driving the speed limit. <laughs> There's only two speeds that, that drivers around you go. They're either going way too freaking fast or they're like <laughs> too slow and get the hell out of my way. Right. Right. There's, there's come on and maniac. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's all relative to how fast you want to go at that particular time. Yeah. But yeah, it's, but it's a, it's a fair point. Southern California, you know, if, if there's not soul crushing traffic, then you ought to be doing at least 85 miles an hour. And <laughs> you know that these doggone uh, autonomous vehicles are going to, you know, attempt to follow the law to the letter and drive you the speed limit and, uh, you know, be in whichever lane they find convenient for, you know, for them to optimize fuel consumption or, or what have you, rather than being more based on like the social contract of driving, right? Like you, you go the flow of traffic, you, you know, try to get out of the way. If you see somebody coming up fast, at least if you're a nice person. Yep. Yeah. It's a good thing that autonomous vehicles are like still far, far away and not going to be the norm for a long time. Well, they're making claims. I, I, I don't remember the name of the company, but <laughs> Phoenix uh, is uh, now officially set to take uh, passengers in their autonomous uh, vehicles. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's the alphabet Wemo. That's Wemo. Wait, that. Yeah. Yep. Waymo, Waymo, Wait. Wemo, whatever it's called. Waymo, Lamo, <laughs> Waymo, Lamo, bunch of nerds at Google making cars. Yeah, so you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's one thing to be uh, confident enough to be a passenger in one of these things, but what really concerns me is, yeah, just the effect on you know traffic in general. It's it, it's going to be a madhouse. Well, I'm just trying to stay at home because and not drive anywhere. Um, so like my cars, like <laughs> my, my wife's car literally had to, we had to jump it the other day because like, we just don't drive it anymore. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's right. If you have cars, you, yep. you, you yep. got to start them every once in a while. Otherwise they, they will not, uh, they will not just start up. Yeah. If a, if a driverless vehicle can deliver my food to my home and I never have to leave the house, that's, you know, damn near miraculous. But if yeah. I have to share the road with one, <laughs> I'm done. Thrilled. I'm done with that. 
<laughs> what about the issue of gender? I've been referring to my robots both as he, because those particular robots were are he's. Uh, my original robot, uh, Roomba, was a she. Um, I have my Siri set to, to use a, a feminine voice. Um, what are your thoughts as far as uh, having gendered robots rather than non-gendered? I'm good with, you know, you know, you know, anthropomorphizing it in the ways that are comfortable with us as humans, as long as we're not, uh, um, you know, being offensive or like infringing on other people's, you know, no, that was, that one's particularly challenging because, uh, and it won't be in the show notes because I, it was an article I stumbled across long, long ago, but it was one of those things. It was in response to, uh, Alexa and Siri that was saying, you know, that, Hey, the, um, the AI assistants should be genderless. They should be non-gendered because, well, because reasons I don't, I don't really remember. And, I remember, you know, kind of rolling my eyes a bit, but um, at the same time, you want to think about these things, especially if we're notionally taking on a, a robot design project. Um, you know, when I when I think about some of the uh, my favorite robots of, you know, you mentioned Wally and and Eva, um, they're clearly you know intended to be gendered in in some way, but really there's nothing specifically about them that, that requires that, right? Like Wally is a, a trash compactor <laughs> robot. He could, he could be a, he, he could be, a she he could he'd be really neither. Um, and, and that's just fine. Um, but then when you start to try to bring that into your, your interface and your interactions, I guess you have to, you know, consider what's appropriate to the job. Like my vacuum robot doesn't need to be like, you know, Hey, bro, can you lift your feet up? <laughs> like, um, hey, see I'm walking here, I'm right. sleeping here. Wouldn't be so much work if you weren't such a slob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, that kind, of, that kind of, that would just make you angry, right? Yeah, right. Nobody wants that. They just want you to just do the damn job and get out of my way. <laughs> yeah, good point. It's like, it's like emphasize all the things about you that are the 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 good things about you being not human <laughs> but yeah the but then the the realm of of androids right robots that are specifically made to emulate human characteristics so not necessarily saying it has to have like a a human face on it but generally speaking like c3po i think would be considered an, an android where an r2d2 would probably be considered more of a robot right like it's not trying to be uh, a human representation. Well, maybe androids are, maybe androids aren't necessary. It's like, what do you need an android for? Right. I just need a robot to do this thing. I want, you know, this job I have to be done, but what, what does being an android and being human like bring to the, bring to the table for me? Right. I have a family. I have, you know, the friends that I, you know, interact with and I'm great having, you know, interactions with them and that fulfills my life. Why do I need to have those same relationships and interactions with a Android? 
It's a good question. I mean, uh, as much as I tend to, uh, again, <laughs> looking at, at uh, various photos and videos of, of androids online, they're repugnant to me <laughs> that the uncanny <laughs> valley is in full effect. Um, but, you know, for people who are, are homebound, who are lonely, who are isolated, you know, there's been a lot of, um, you know, smart people who who have proposed that, oh, well, you know, we could help uh, – uh, you know, um, shut in senior citizens, you know, feel connected by giving them, uh, you know, a, a robot. Um, so far, I've mostly seen that be like a robot cat or a robot pet of some sort. Yeah, when I see like, you know, <laughs> how, how my mom interacts and reacts to technology, I would never even contemplate trying to send an android to like keep her company. She's <laughs> have its head off in, in a matter of days. <laughs> so uh, I, to summarize, I think what we're saying is robot, yes. Android, no. No. <laughs> Nobody needs that. that yeah, I think that pretty much sums up the episode right there. All right, sold. <laughs> The soundtrack to your dystopian future is provided by Larry King. <laughs>